0: You're listening to a Stranger
1: Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey everybody, Dan is taking a well-deserved vacation this week, and so instead, we present you with a Savage Lovecast Chestnut from October 30th, 2007. We hope you enjoy it.
0: Hey, Savage Love listeners, this is Malika.
1: And this
2: is Nathan. We're the hosts of Planned Parenthood Speaking of Sex podcast at speakingofsexpodcast.org.
0: We went on a three-week road trip this summer interviewing people about sex and sexuality.
2: We stopped in big cities and small towns and talked to Planned Parenthood staff and supporters about everything from HIV to sex toys to reproductive rights.
0: Our video podcast series is called Sex on the Road. After you're done listening to Dan's advice, why don't you watch an episode or two?
1: You can check him out at speakingofsexpodcast.org. Remember, be safe. And have fun. Hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, downloading another installment of Savage Lovecast, the once a week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. 206-201-2720 is the phone number here at the podcast, and you download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. Got a bitchy note from a listener uh, telling me that I really didn't need to say www before I said thestranger.com slash savage every week. You can just say thestranger.com savage, uh, which is true, and you're right. I would point out, though, however, that the tech-savvy at-risk youth, who really ought to know better because they're younger than me and they grew up with the internet, gave me a piece of paper to read every week that has the phone number on it and the URL, which they put www.thestranger.com. I was just following orders. I was doing as I was told by the tech-savvy at-risk youth, who should know better. We get a lot of calls every week and I need to make an announcement. Um, we're getting a lot more calls than we used to. And the tech heavy at risk youth who edit and uh, select calls for me are starting to be a bit choosier about what makes the show. Uh, if you're calling on your, uh, from your car on your cell phone, um, that really decreases your chances of making it onto the show because the sound quality is really poor for those cell phone calls. Uh, if you really want to make it onto the show, uh, We encourage you to call from a landline and to try to keep your call uh, somewhere in the two to three minute range. The 45 minute uh, phone calls don't ever make the show, amazingly enough, because the show itself is only about a half an hour long. All right. Speaking of calls, let's get to some.
3: Hey, um, I'm 25. I live in New York and I fuck my concierge or one of my concierges. And, um, he's married, and it was, like, a slutty, stupid fucking thing for me to do, and, like, I've since apologized to the god, the goddess, and whoever else is up there, and, like, I still feel really bad. I never did it again. You know, now, like, at first I was just ignoring him afterwards, and then I was just trying to be nice, and now he's fucking leering at me and saying things, and... I don't even know, like, if I'm supposed to have the ball to so go up to him and be like, can you, you know, shut the fuck up? You're not getting any more from me. It was a dumb thing for us to do in the first place, or if I'm supposed to just ignore him again, or if I'm supposed to just shrug it off, you know, just talking about my thighs and high-looking jeans and all kind of shit, and it's just, uh, it's nauseating. I don't know if I should try to get him fired, because I probably could, but that's a little extra. I don't know.
1: All right, uh... As a general rule, as a general note uh, for sexually active adults, when you fuck somebody, uh, even if it was ill-advised, even if it was married, even if you were drunk, even if you regret it terribly, it's a bad policy in general to ignore that person, to pretend that you've never seen them naked, to pretend when you see them, when you have to interact with them, to act callous and cold and obnoxious and rude by ignoring them. You can't ignore people that you fucked. Sometimes people think that, "Oh, I don't want to fuck this person again, and I need to communicate that to that person that I fucked once." So I'm going to be a total fucking asshole to that person and pretend that I didn't see them naked, to pretend that we didn't we weren't intimate and just to be a fucking iceberg. And you know what that does? That makes people feel bad. And that sometimes makes people angry. So His, now this concierge's married guy, asshole, shouldn't have fucked you, whatever. His response to your at first ignoring him uh, was to sort of, be a prick back to you by flirting with you. Because I'm sure he's smart enough to realize that you were ignoring him because he regretted it and didn't want to do it again. Uh, And so he was, you know, flirting, flirting harder and just kind of flipping you back up. That's my theory. Maybe in reality, I'm not there. I haven't seen the video. Maybe that's not quite what's going on. Maybe he's totally dense and fucking retarded. And he feels like being a flirtatious prick is the way back into your pants. And it's not. But here's what you should have done. And here's what you still can do. You go up to the guy and you laugh it off. You say, hey, that was fun, and you know we shared a moment. Uh, I, I don't think it can happen again, and I'm not interested in having it happen again. But I don't want us to feel weird or awkward around each other. But can we not sexualize our relationship and let's have a professional relationship? I'm a tenant. You're the You're the concierge. Let's just be cool about it and let it go. That's all you needed to do. And you know what would have happened then? He would have been cool about it and let it go, I bet, unless he's a total asshole. If he's a total asshole and he wasn't cool about it and didn't let it go – after you said something like that, then you could think about getting his ass fired. Right now you can't think about getting his ass fired because you fucked him and he feels as if he can treat you like somebody he's had a sexual relationship with because he has the sexual relationship that you invited. So how guilty should you feel? You shouldn't feel guilty much. You fucked a married guy. That happens all the time. You should feel stupid. That you handled it so poorly. You handled the fallout from this ill-advised fuck that you should feel a little guilty about. You handled the fallout really poorly. And that you should feel just fucking stupid about. But you shouldn't feel guilty about it. You know? And I'm glad you had the decency to feel like a whore for five minutes. But that's not like penance. It's not like you do something sleazy and stupid and you feel like a whore for five minutes and then God is satisfied that you're not actually a whore. You know, you are actually a whore. You should feel like a whore all the time. I feel like a whore all the time. Nothing wrong with feeling like a whore. Some of the whores are the nicest fucking people I've ever met in my fucking life. Which you are is a stupid whore, which is the wrong kind of whore to be. You want to be a smart, savvy girl about town in New York City, 25 years old, charge of her sexuality, can fuck her concierge if that's what she wants to do, even though he's married, and then has the balls, the ovum, to handle the fallout correctly to go up to him and elbow him in the ribs and and say hey we had a laugh that was good not going to happen again don't want to feel weird around you please don't feel weird around me let's just be chums that's what you needed to do and you still can do that and you should
2: hi dan i'm a uh, 23 year old male living in los angeles and i'm calling because i'm in a bit of a difficult situation and i'm hoping you have some advice for me uh, there's this girl that I'm interested in, and she's been a, a good friend of mine for a while, and she just happens to also be my roommate's ex. Uh, a few months ago, we were hanging out on a pretty regular basis, and we were just having a good time and enjoying each other and getting pretty close. And um, a couple of times while we were hanging out with friends, we'd go out, and have a few drinks, and a few times we'd sort of hook up. We never really went all the way, but we definitely went further than we would have. Uh, if we hadn't been so tipsy anyway from from my perspective we were sort of on our way towards something as, like relationally and then this kind of earthquake happened um after a trip back to her hometown she came back and confessed to me that while she was there she was sexually assaulted um by a guy that she knew from her childhood so, obviously, that changed a lot of things, and I've been trying really hard to be supportive of her, even though, honestly, I don't really know how to be. Um, she's sort of shut down emotionally, socially, as, I guess, I mean, kind of expect it. but she's she's lost trust and comfort in, in hanging out with guys of any sort, which includes me, and maybe and especially me, considering that, you know, our history includes taking things a bit far, Um, or further than what was really comfortable for for either of us. Anyway, like I said, I've been trying to be supportive and and helpful, but she recently told me to kind of back off as far as that was concerned because she doesn't really feel comfortable talking about what's going on with any guy. Um, So my problem is that I'm still really interested in this girl, but I don't know what my next move should be or how I can show this girl that I'm supportive of her without crossing any comfort lines or basically just how I should handle this kind of touchy situation.
1: All right. So you've been supportive and you've been helpful and now you, and that's not working. Uh, and now you want to know what your next move should be. I think the reason she told you to back the fuck off is because she perceived that your supportiveness and your helpfulness was a stratagem to get into her pants Uh, You asking me what your next move should be after these previous moves, the previous moves being supportiveness and helpfulness, makes it pretty clear that that's what you're doing, that you weren't being sort of altruistically supportive and helpful. You weren't being just like setting aside your own needs and your own desires and uh, acting out of a concern for her, but still acting uh, motivated in part by what you wanted. And what you want is to pick up where you left off. You want to be sexual again with her. And she's not ready for that yet. She was just sexually assaulted. She needs some time and space. And she probably doesn't need anyone around her right now who's angling to get into her pants, which it sounds like you're doing. And that's okay. You know, and I I don't want to come down too hard on you because you sound like a decent, nice guy, but you do sound like you're not capable of setting aside your sexual interest in her your romantic interest in her and being just her friend being just and you know what not only are you not capable of that I don't think anyone in your position would be capable of that that's not your role you are not there to be her therapist you're not there to be her counselor you're not a disinterested third party who's just there to help you are a potential romantic partner that's where you were going before this incident that's where you may go in the future if you can pick up where you left off when she's ready. But she's not ready. And she needs some time and space right now where there aren't any dudes in her life who are trying to get into her pants. So what's your next move? Your next move is to get the fuck out of her life at her invitation. She's invited you the fuck out. Get the fuck out. All right? You can. You, ha- you may. I give you permission to write her a letter. The old-fashioned way. With paper. With paper. And pencil or pen or a duck quill with dipped in an inkwell, and just say you understand why she can't be around you, that you're still interested in her romantically, and that hopefully, when she's had some time and space and she's healed a bit and she feels more secure and comfortable, and she's ready again for the kind of male attention that you bring to the table. Maybe then she can get back in touch with you and you guys cannot pick up right where you left off, but see if you can pick up again and then back the fuck out of her life, which is what she's demanded. It's not like it's a choice for you to back the fuck up out of her life or not. She demanded it and you're going to do it, but you can float a little paper airplane into the back of her mind and let it sit there. But you know what? She may never get in touch with you ever again. Sometimes when people are sexually assaulted, it really is so shattering that they have to put aside everything that they were doing before, romantically and sexually. They need to draw a line in their life where they go, this was before, this is after. For all you know, she was sexually assaulted perhaps in circumstances similar to the, the way you guys were having consensual sex. Where there was alcohol involved and like going a little too far. And then it went past her level of consent. And she's spooked forever from, and, and will associate perhaps you forever With a a very negative sexual experience And that's unfair And uh, it sucks for you But sometimes there's nothing you can do about it So brace yourself For the possibility that you will never hear from her ever again And move on And let her have the time and the space she needs And you know what, if you hear from her Yahtzee, if you don't hear from her again God, it sucks Doesn't it? Sexual assault Doesn't it suck the way some men ruin women For other men too? Doesn't it suck the way women are abused sexually in our culture and the way they're treated and the damage it does and it flows out in big ripples? Or or maybe it's not big ripples. Maybe what these are are aftershocks. Sexual assault is an earthquake. They're aftershocks. More people get hurt in the aftershocks. And you may be a victim of this sexual assault too. And it would be great if more men realized that male sexual violence directed at women doesn't just impact women it impacts ultimately men too and the good guys do realize that the good guys try to do something about it so if you never hear from her again and you want to be angry about it don't be angry at me for being the bearer of bad news don't be angry at her for never getting in touch with you again be angry at the dude who raped her and ruined whatever potential you two might have had
4: hi dan love your work Um, I've been dying to ask you a question about fantasizing during sex. My husband and I are both pretty kinky people and I think we take care of each other pretty fucking well. Um, So this is really a problem that just exists in my head. Uh, One of my husband's kinks is something that is not possible in reality. So he's got a pretty well-developed imagination. And I know that fantasizing during sex is a great healthy thing you know, even though I had to kind of train him to keep his eyes open more during sex when we first got together. Um, But I was wondering whether you see a dividing line between someone imagining what turns them on to get them, you know, over the line or, and treating their partners like a a kind of extension of their right hand. I, I should say that nothing my husband does makes me feel this way. This is just my hang up when, you know, he's, had some huge orgasm and uh, I wonder how much I had to do with it. I I wish I could know how other partners of kinksters deal with this or or whether it's no different for people into vanilla sex. And I'd love to know what you think. Thanks a lot. Bye.
1: You never know what's going through your partner's mind when you're fucking them. That's just, like you said, true for kinksters, true for people with impossible to realize fantasies, true for people with completely realizable fantasies, true for vanilla people, true for everybody. Uh, here's what you need to do about your situation with your husband. And first, may I say that you have the sexiest uh, Kiwi accent we've ever had on the podcast. Uh, totally gave me a boner, and I'm 100% fact. Um, you need to ask your husband specifically for some reassurance. Your insecurities around this are completely, uh, I don't want to say rational, because they're a little irrational, but they're completely understandable. He has these, uh, and I wish you'd given us more details uh, because I love the details. He has these impossible to realize fantasies. And for all you know, when you guys are messing around and he has this hugely explosive orgasm, you know, you worry that he's thinking not about you. He's not in the moment. He's thinking about that and using you as, you know, an extension of his right hand. Understandable, understandable insecurity, but an insecurity and ultimately your problem, right? Because you recognize that. Even people having vanilla intercourse with their eyes wide open saying, I love you. Both of them could be thinking about other people, other species, other planet, anything. You never know what's going on behind the eyes, right? So you need to own up to your insecurity and say, you know what? I just want a little reassurance. When you have those big mind-blowing orgasms, you just need to tell me every once in a while that, you know, It's I just want you to tell me, even if it's a lie, tell me. That you're not all the time thinking about your impossible to realize fantasy. And he'll tell you he's not, um, because it's true that he's not. I'll I guarantee you. Sometimes he may be. And so, what do you do about that if that makes you feel insecure? You tell him that you are happy to have dirty talk during sex about his impossible-to-realize fantasies where, you know, you give him permission sometimes to use you as the extension of his right hand. Sometimes you should go fucking crazy and talk dirty to each other and draw him out about his fantasy and let him fantasize out loud about his impossible-to-realize fantasy while you guys are doing something else entirely. And by doing that, you'll feel more secure because... You'll feel like the times when he is having one of his impossible to realize fantasy fantasies and what a big orgasm as a result of it, it'll be explicit, it'll be above board. You won't have to wonder if that's what he's thinking about because you guys will be talking about it, you'll know. And then his fantasy will be not this thing that goes on in his head behind his eyes that you're excluded from and that's pulling him away from the sex that he's having with you, but his fantasy, his impossible to realize fantasy, and I wish to God I knew it was, his impossible to realize fantasy will be a fantasy that you're both sharing—it'll be a part of the sex you both are having at that moment, and it will make you feel more secure about his impossible-to-realize fantasies if you can incorporate them into your completely realized—and it sounds com- like a completely hot uh, sexual connection that you guys share.
0: Hi, Dan. Um, I've been—I'm a 25-year-old straight female. I've been with a guy, 27, for two years. Um, he's a wonderful man. We have a great sex life. A great relationship um we're close to being engaged um i'm really excited about it we live together we have a wonderful relationship i love him more than anyone else i've ever loved before um the only thing we have money issues you know he's kind of poorer than i am uh we kind of i kind of deal with it you know i support him a little bit um i've flown him for the rent when he can't pay so he pays the next month you know twice the rent we go dutch um Really, the issue is weed and what it does to his money issues. Um, he's fully addicted. He's been smoking for five years. Um, since he was in college, he quit cigarettes about two and a half years ago. So um, I was waiting until uh, it's been a long enough time uh, since he quit cigarettes to really make an issue with the weed. Um, I brought up the problem. He said it would be different when we moved into a new apartment. He would cut down. It didn't change. And... Um, about six months later, no change, he didn't sit down at all, I he admitted to smoking more than ever. Um, then, you know, about seven months after that, he was late with the rent uh, for a whole month and the whole time he was smoking weed and smoking a lot of it. You know, I, I really sat him down, I said, this has got to stop, you're smoking my money, this is ridiculous. Um, You know, he wasn't cutting it down at all when he said he would, and it had been over a year. I've always been really supportive about it. I've brought it up and very, like, logical, rational, very into compromise. You know, I don't have any problem with marijuana. I just, I don't personally like it. But it really, he he was, at some point, he was paying twice his rent on weed, which I think is financially, like, financial suicide and irresponsible. When he, you know, after he was supposedly quit, I walked in on smoking about six weeks later, and I found down and said, you can't lie to me like that. He admitted that he'd been lying to me the entire time we've been together. he had been smoking much more than I thought. Last night, I thought I smelled smoke on his breath, and I checked the trash can this morning, and there's remnants of a cigar in there. And um, I don't really know what to do. You said smoking cigarettes could be a deal breaker, like that's absolutely a right of a significant other. What about weed? Uh, he's obviously addicted, I'm trying to Get him off of it. It's my fault for getting involved with an addict. Um, he's a wonderful man. I've been firm, but I said if he lied to me three times, so that's it. And um, seems like he's lying for the third time.
1: Hey, it's Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you doing?
0: Um, I'm great. How
1: are you, sound, you, doing? you sound nervous.
0: I am a little nervous. I'm sorry. Don't
1: be nervous. Um, okay. So you're 27. How long have you been with this guy?
0: Um, I'm 25, actually. I've been oh. with him for two years, mm-hmm. and he's 27. Uh,
1: uh. Uh, I think you need to dump the motherfucker already.
0: I was afraid you'd say that.
1: <laughs> uh, it sounds like, you know, you love him, it's a great mm-hmm. relationship, the sex is great. And so, you know, you don't want to dump him, you have to reconcile yourself to being the breadwinner. Yeah. And him being a pothead all his life.
0: Actually, there's been some recent developments that I'm not sure... They might change your mind or my mind.
1: Well, go for it.
0: Okay, Um. last... Uh, well, when I call you that day, I left work early to confront him. hmm and actually, uh, he was smoking again, and I dumped him. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you and uh, but we punch. were living together, so I said, you're moving into the guest room, and you should look for a roommate. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: And um, two days later, after a lot of apologizing from him, uh, he actually came to me with a plan of his own. He's going to see a doctor, go on antidepressants, and quit smoking, and go to M.A., like uh, Marijuana Anonymous. uh uh-huh. And he came up with that to me. He For the first time, you know, I wasn't telling him what to do. He actually came up with it on his own.
1: Right. So In I desperation just, you know, because you were giving him the boot. Yeah. Which sometimes for people who have a drug problem and, uh, and seemingly endlessly indulgent and easily fooled partner.
0: Hi. <laughs> they
1: don't. Uh, make a move to change their behavior or take any responsibility for their behavior until the situation looks dire, until they're going to have to stand on their own two feet. I don't think he's going to kick the drug habit until he has to shit or get off the pot. You know, with you there as a net, he doesn't have to hold down a job. He doesn't have to ever make his rent on time. Right?
0: Kind of. I mean, he has... Two jobs. Um,
1: but all the money goes into his lungs.
0: It, it, yes, it has been.
1: Right. And that is completely user behavior because he's smoking up all his money because he knows that if he can't make rent, you will.
0: Yeah. Right? So yeah. he's using
1: you. If you want to give him another chance, mm-hmm. you have my permission to... Give the motherfucker another chance already. <laughs> but you have to be ready to drop the bomb. Yeah. If he fucks up again.
0: Actually, yeah, my other foot is completely ready to drop. You know, if anything else happens. And
1: who was who? Who was taking care of him before you came along? Has he mooched uh, off a series of girlfriends? God,
0: no. I mean, it's certainly he wrecked a few relationships because of it. Um, but before he, I think his parents help him out.
1: Right, so all his life there's been someone in his life life who made sure that he never had to pay the price for his... Yeah, make
0: any kind of real decision or be at Mm -hmm. all financially feasible. Right, or get
1: into trouble if he can't make the rent. Like, he's never going to get evicted if the parents are going to rush in with a rent check or some girlfriend is going to cover him. Right? So he's he's arranged his life to make sure there's someone in his life who takes responsibility for his life because he does not. And just him saying, all right, you know, oh, my God, you're kicking me out. Okay, I'm going to go to MA and I'm going to quit. And I'm going to see a doctor about antidepressants. Waka, waka, waka. That could be an act. <laughs> that could be an act to, 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 to so that he's... Still doesn't have to take responsibility. No, you're
0: right. I'm sorry. I just laughed because when you say waka waka waka, it always gets me. Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry, it's a habit. No, you that keep habit?
0: it real, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Um,
1: so I'm not. I'm not saying don't. I'm not saying kick uh, the motherfucker out. I'm not saying dump him. Yeah, like you love him. There's something there. There's a great sex life. There's a great relationship. Who knows whether you're going to still have great sex with him once he's on antidepressants? Who knows if you're still going to love him a lot when you meet the non-stoned version of him? You might That's be in love true. with him plus drugs, and if you take drugs out of him, you might not like what's left.
0: Yeah, I have to be on the because it doesn't sound like you've ever that.
1: been with him when he wasn't stoned.
0: Honestly, like I don't think I really have, and it's terrifying. Okay,
1: um, so just like just so you know, and you're being realistic about it.
0: Absolutely, I, I'm I'm actually I'm surprised I took him back. Um, and I'm uh, you know what I bet, I bet he's off.
1: not surprised you took him back, because all his life people have taken him back. He must yeah. be a charmer. You know, people don't get away with no, this kind of crap if they're not charismatic. He's it's, hes
0: not just a charmer. He doesn't just... He's really a good boyfriend all the time, except for this.
1: Okay, well, this is a big this, though. This oh, is a big a exception.
0: This. this with, like, four capital letters.
1: Right. And so, give him another chance, but make okay. it one last chance. And then if he fucks up, throw him out. Okay. You shouldn't whipsaw around. Like, you said you'd give him another chance. Give him another chance. Okay. Dump him. At the very first opportunity, is actually what I want to say. Double the first opportunity. Make him move out. Make him get a studio apartment. It sounds like you can swing the rent on your own.
0: I can, Because you
1: have, right?
0: No, that's true. I can do it.
1: So make him get a... Like, say, you know, we can still be going out. We can still date. We've only been going out for two years. A lot of people haven't even moved in together yet after two years. How long have you lived together?
0: Oh, (laughs) Uh, about a year. So
1: when you met him, he could make the rent and stand on his own two feet.
0: Well, uh, apparently he did. He had the cheapest rent I've ever heard of um, <laughs> because they were they were renovating the place the whole time. Okay. So he was living in a construction zone, which is why I got a great deal. And actually, he missed the rent a couple times there, and um, that's why they took you know, most of the security deposit. You
1: know, my boyfriend can't balance a checkbook. <laughs> my boyfriend, you know. You know, is a stay-at-home dad, and I still have to, you know, clean right. the bathrooms. Like there, are, there are things you put up with because you love someone enough to accept them. I always call them the price of admission. Price. Of you know, price. I, I love my boyfriend. He can't put away a jar of fucking mayonnaise after he makes a sandwich. It'll sit there for six months, and I used to scream and yell and say, "Put the fucking mayonnaise away!" And then one day I just put the lid on the mayonnaise and put it away, and thought that was easier than like having a fight about it. And I know this is a piddling you know, piffly example compared to your problem, but, you know...
0: Oh, mayonnaise is pretty important.
1: You, yeah, the main, you don't want to get botulism from the mayonnaise. You need to decide, you know, if you can minimize his problems and then at a certain point you're willing to pay the price of admission. Right. You know, there's a lot of people out there who I go know. on antidepressants, mm-hmm. they fuck up their sex life, and they scramble their brains, and they're slightly toxic, and some people need them. And there's yeah. some people who self-medicate with a little pot to take the edge off.
0: Yeah, well, or a
1: lot. Or a lot of pot to take the edge off. And I sometimes think the pot, as I've seen with some of my friends, is better than the Prozac. Um,
0: Well, I I just think Prozac would be $100 a month versus $800 a
1: month. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's another issue. Like, you only can afford to do as much drugs as Mm -hmm. you can afford reasonably and responsibly to do. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. you can't eat out every night in a swank restaurant as much as you might like because you have rent to pay. Sure. And someone has
0: to make those real decisions.
1: Right. So if he can't make those kind of balanced, grown up calls about his drug use, you might not want to be in a relationship with him. What else does this portend down the road? How's he going to be with mortgages? How's he going to be with school tuitions if you have kids? All your life, you may have to police. And maybe that's the price of admission you're willing to pay.
0: Oh, I don't think I am.
1: <sighs> well, you need to think about it. Yeah. And you need to see if he lives up to the bargain he struck with you yesterday. Uh, yeah. But me. you know, if he doesn't, great sex, you're a pothead, so long, farewell, love saying to say, and goodnight, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I will definitely do that.
1: Okay, good luck.
0: Thank you so much. Sure thing. And, uh, I'll
1: play it. And don't let him listen to this podcast, I don't want him to come kill me. Okay. Bye. All right, bye.
3: Yes, I am a 35-year-old single female, and I just had a big breakup with a guy I had been dating for about 10 months. And you know, we had had this real easy relationship. We had a lot in common. We didn't, yeah, you know, didn't really. There wasn't a lot of conflict. Occasionally, we would have a disagreement, but nothing did. But then, when we had this breakup about two weeks ago, it was really nasty, and it was really hard. And there was a point the day after when I was on his doorsteps and we were staring each other down and I was furious and he was furious and I called him a bastard and he, I felt like he was domineering and controlling me and I was angry and um uh, since then he just has ignored me and he doesn't want any contact with me, but... The weird thing is, is it turned me on so much, and I just want to be taken by him. I don't know how to tell him because he won't talk to me, and I don't know if I should let, let it go because I don't even know if he feels the same way, but it was like I had never experienced that before, and it was like, I just, I just wanted to be controlled, and I don't know what to do about it. Hello.
1: Hey, it's Dan. Hi. How are you?
3: I'm doing pretty good.
1: We all just listened to your message, and now I'm calling to chat with you about what you've discovered about yourself.
3: What I've discovered about myself is that, you know, time heals all, and I think at the time, I just, uh, everything was really fresh, and I finally reached the point where I realized that, you know, being turned on is an emotion, but it's not... Oh, it doesn't tell you much. You,
1: you've lost me entirely. Like, set all those aside. Okay. You're, 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 ta- you're talking in platitudes and aphorisms here. Here's what you learned about yourself, right? By accident. You tripped a tripwire in your your erotic imagination, your erotic inner life. You just tripped over something you didn't know was there during this fight where he started being, you say, acting all domineering and controlling, and suddenly that was turning you on, kind of against your will at that moment, Correct. Yeah. Because you're having this fight. You didn't necessarily want to be turned on to him. You, you wanted him to fuck off and die. Yes. And he started treating you in a certain way, and kapow! You're like, oh, my God. Flipped a switch, right? Yes. So you made a surprising but discovery I, about yourself, which is I'm that not, you're a very I'm kinky girl. But
3: I'm not submissive. I want someone to left me to the ground.
1: I want to be go down fighting. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of submissive people want to go down fighting. But, they you know, they want to go down fighting, but they want to go down. And but, part of it part of what turns the mom on, on about the, you know, Dom sub play acting is the resistance.
3: And I think it takes the right person the right other person.
1: Right, of course. You don't want to, you know, submit to just anybody.
3: But we're not together anymore and he doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And right. He's not even talking to me. Right. So how do I explore this?
1: You explore it with somebody else. You don't explore it with him. You know, you have nothing to lose. You could send him a letter. You could give him a call. You could say, I know this is from left field. I know you don't want to hear from me, and you're going to think I'm crazy. I was so fucking turned on. Let's just get together and hate-fuck each other a few times and see what that was about. (laughs) And he might decide, oh, my God, she's a total psycho and not call you. But so (laughs) what? He's not calling you anyway. So you have nothing to lose.
3: Yeah, that's true.
1: And you might get hate-fucked out of the bargain, which is something to gain.
3: That would be nice.
1: (laughs) And you know what? You sound like you mean it when you say that, that would be nice. Well
3: I, well, I do. I do. I do mean it. And, so, you know, I kind of experimented with this with my ex-husband, and I didn't like it at all, and that's why it just shocked me.
1: You experimented with Dom's sub stuff with your ex? Yes. In what way?
3: He found someone else who was really into it, and I got caught up in this, you know, like this sexual arms race where whatever she'll do, I can do better. And so...
1: So he was cheating on you and telling you about it and pitting you two against each other?
3: Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, that's not. that sounds like Dom Sub stuff curdled with resentment and competition, and your ex sounds like an asshole. Well, he
3: kind of is, <laughs> and that's why it's
1: my ex. Yeah, exactly. So you <laughs> need to separate out. Your, your ex was playing mind games with you, and using Dom Sub and an arms race as sort of the tool by which he... Sounds like you kind of shattered your self-esteem or picked away at it, right?
3: At the time, and I got over it.
1: Right. Okay. So, irrespective of what your ex was up to or his turn-ons, irrespective of what your mo- you know, this guy you just dumped uh, after ten ten months or so together, there's something in you that is turned on by uh, by power play, right? Right. About a domineering, controlling man and your resistance. This is like a common arc in a lot of female fantasies. And so, what do you do with that? That's the question. What do you do going forward? I think you should, you know, if I were you, I would tell the other guy. Because, you know, who knows? Maybe he was turned on too. And he's, said, you know, I have a call from him in my archive that I haven't gotten to yet. Or he's wondering whether he should call you and say, didn't work out his relationship. Man, at that moment, I just wanted to fuck the shit out of her. What do I do with my feelings? Like, he could feel the same way. You don't know. Unless you lob a ball over his net. It may never, you may never, you may not hit it back, but. What have you lost? I mean, You're I'm, not talking to anyway. I'm gonna anyway. lob
3: the ball over, but I'm not gonna get my hopes up. Anyway.
1: Right, exactly. And that, you know, that's the approach we should take with everybody we date or fuck or approach. I'm gonna lob a ball over, not gonna get my hopes up. Because nothing ever works out. You know, no long term, no relationship works out until one does, right? So right. So most of them don't work out. So what you need to do going forward is the next guy you date or go out with. You need to look for a guy who has a. Not a misogynistic or disrespectful domineering, controlling streak. Not some guy who's just a brute and an asshole. But some guy who, you know, you perceive in him this capacity for fun, domineering, controlling sex play. Where it's about the bedroom and it's about the moment and it's not about all the time. And he's not an asshole like your ex. And you're not, and what you don't want to do is put yourself in a situation where you're seeking conflict We're creating conflict in a relationship in the hope of drawing out a domineering and controlling attitude, right? Because it sounds like you had this fight and he reacted in this way and turned you on. What you don't want to do going forward is say, "Oh, okay, I'm going to like pick fights so I can draw this out, this thing that turns me on, out of the guys I'm dating." Because that's mind game. Then you're just doing mind games back, like your ex was doing. Right. What you need to do is just like date some guy and say, "Hey, you know, I'm totally into sex and let's fuck." And just you have to know that. One of the things that really spins my crank is just to be roughly taken, dominated and controlled by a guy sexually in the moment with a lot of passion. All right, come on over. Bring your toothbrush. (laughs)
3: I'll give it a try.
1: And then, you know, five five of the next guys you date may not be into it or good at it or do it the way you like, but then fucking the sixth, you'll hit the fucking jackpot.
3: It's a numbers
1: game. It is a numbers game. you got to try on a lot of pair of shoes before you find the pair that fits. In- but you got to own your desires. you got to own the things that turn you on. you got to be upfront about them. you got to say what you want. you got to tell the guys you're dating what you want, what they need to do. And then do for them, too, in return. And
3: I think women have been conditioned not to
1: do that. Yeah, women have been conditioned not to be explicit and upfront. But you know what? Guys like that. Guys respond to that. Some guys freak out and go, oh, my God sexually aggressive demanding woman and I'm a fragile little spun glass dude and I'm shattered and fuck those guys you don't want to fuck those guys
3: well thank you so much you're welcome
1: good luck give us a call back when you uh, find the guy who works for you and definitely okay, give us a call back if you uh, give your most recent ex a call and he comes over and you guys do it because I'm going to want to okay. hear about that I'm going I'm right. going to want to see video
3: okay
1: I don't know if he'll go that far, <laughs> oh wait a second honey we're going to videotape this for the fag with the podcast hope you don't mind <laughs> Okay, thanks. Sure thing. Bye. All right, let's go to the email bag to wrap this show up. Uh just listened to your podcast, and I am the sixty-one year old that hires escorts and was feeling guilty about it. Thank you so much for letting me know that I should not feel guilty about hiring these gorgeous guys. I do apologize for not answering the phone the day you tried to call, but I was nervous. I would like to note that all the guys I've hired have been very nice and clean and I have enjoyed their company and they perform a needed service for people like me. Thanks again. You're welcome, and uh I got your back. Dear Dan, just listened to podcast 53, and I have a suggestion for the tiny collar with the shallow vagina uh, and the hung boyfriend. I'm small too and find sex uncomfortable at certain times of the month when my cervix is lower. I suggest you try this position. She should lay on her stomach with her legs together and have her partner enter her vagina from behind. She might need to spread him to begin with until he gets in position. The genius of this position is that with her legs together, he can't enter her too deeply, but he still gets the benefit of lots of friction from her clenched thighs, ass cheeks, and vagina. Also, she gets to reach under and stimulate her own clit, which, as all women know, is really where it's at. Uh, I suggest lots of lube. My favorite is pure coconut oil for all that ass-thigh-rubbing action Thanks, Dan. Uh, you're a resource like no other. Uh, thank you. Thanks for contributing. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Uh, thanks to everybody who called this week. If you'd like to call and record a question for a future podcast, the number 206-201-2720. Please uh, try to call from a landline. Please, if possible, uh, try to limit your question to two, three minutes tops. You download the podcast every week at thestranger.com slash Savage, Thanks a lot for downloading. We'll be back at you next week with another podcast. Planned Parenthood wants to remind you to love carefully.
2: Unplanned pregnancy rates are rising, and sexually transmitted infections are at an all-time high.
4: Remember, condoms reduce the risk.
2: Call 1-800-230-PLAN for an
3: appointment or visit us online at plannedparenthood.org.